All right, well, good morning. Welcome to our live stream. My name is Darren. I serve as pastor here at Ironworks Church in Phoenixville. We're going to have some scripture on the screen to read to you from Old Testament book of Joshua. I'm going to read uh, the selections that are there. Just a, a note on this. Uh, the sermon does come from the entirety of chapters 3 and 4, though we're not going to read the entirety. Uh, but I do recommend that uh, as you start, that you do kind of soak this in during the week, and that you do so by reading the entirety of those two chapters. So, would you listen now with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love? Do we have the scriptures? Okay. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said, when all the nation, excuse me, had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then 
you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, as we sit under these words, uh, and, and more probably pressing as we, for, for many of us, as we feel at least, as we sit under these events uh, that continue uh, to, to seemingly come at us uh, in ways that are uh, entirely overwhelming, Lord, I pray that as, uh, recognize that as we come here this morning, as we sit under these words, as we sit under these events, as we've listened to these songs, as we've confessed our sins, Lord, I recognize that we come from all kinds of different places. Lord, I recognize that some of us come here and um, though the world is falling apart, things are relatively okay in our own personal lives. Kids are healthy. Uh, we're employed. We have food to eat. Lord, but for others of us, uh, this is a time of great anguish. Uh, some are dealing with uh, physical crises, uh, mental disability crises. Uh, others are um, unemployed. Some are sick. Others are um, have their families are, are a complete mess at this moment. And Lord, I recognize that some of us come here and we have hope in you uh, for the crises we face. Others of us are not sure if you're real and whether uh, there is anything to this hope that Christians speak of. Lord, I recognize that whatever place we find ourselves in today, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we do all ultimately come here the same an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, and to be changed by you. And I pray that you would give us grace to open our eyes and show us how you have addressed this need in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome again. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to just tell you what it is that we're doing. We started recently a sermon series on the books of Joshua and Judges. Uh, the, the sermon series was decided in the month of January uh, as the direction we would go in, and we titled it Finding Courage in a Times of Crisis, and I realize now that we made a, a profound mistake in that title. Uh, we should have titled it Finding Courage in Times of Crises or Multiple Crises because what we're finding is that the events that are taking place right now, we're not just facing a crisis but we're f facing multiple on all kinds of levels. Just um, to share with you what's on my mind, obviously, uh, our entire world has been in the midst of a, a worldwide pandemic that is having far-reaching, devastating consequences. You, you all are aware of that. Um, uh, in the past couple of weeks, we've seen uh, the profoundly uh, horrifying death of George Floyd, the hands of Derek Chauvin, uh, we also saw um, Christian Cooper uh, get unjustly accused uh, on video uh, in, in ways that highlighted racial tensions. Um, we're furthermore seeing uh, the territory of Hong Kong effectively being taken over by China, as I understand it. Uh, and then, I, I, some of you are aware, I have a bit of a computer business. I recently started working with a man in Bangladesh, and we've been talking kind of about uh, worldwide events and asking what's going on in his part of the woods. And he told me uh, just two days ago, he said, people in his town are, are beginning to go hungry. 
So uh, we're facing, you know, and, and I asked someone this morning, I said, and what else is going on in the world, right? What else is, is going on? I'm sure I'm missing quite a few things. So, so the more accurate, I think, situational title of the sermon series ought to be Finding Courage, not in times of crisis, but in the time of crises. And the passage that's before us today, I do think will be helpful. It has been helpful to me. I'm going to humbly present it to you in hopes that it will be helpful to you to find resource in this time, in the time that we find ourselves in, uh, in a way that will enable you to move forward walking with God in the kind of faith that results in courage. That's, that's what we're after this morning. Uh, just to bring you up to speed, what's happening is an absolutely momentous event in the life of Israel where they will be finally, after more than 40 years, of course, doing something that had been promised more than 40 years past, right, that they had staked everything on, namely entering the promised land by way of crossing this border of the Jordan, you have to understand that uh, for, the, for the most part, these folks who are crossing over, these are actually the children of the people who had participated in the Exodus. To, to a most significant extent, most of that generation has passed, and the generation that is now doing the crossing, these are actually the children of the people, of the adults who took play, place in the Exodus. They've all passed on, and now this is mostly, predominantly, their children who are passing over this river in the entirety of their lives, right? Their lives would have been explained by an event signified by what's going on here, right? Their entirety of their lives were built around this notion of the promised land. And of course, uh, this would be no easy feat. This would require regular miracles, Regular displays of supernatural power, which, uh, as we read about in this passage, and will take place. And what's happening here is that God is establishing the means by which they will prevail. He's establishing the means by which they will prevail. And I want to focus on just really two points, primarily, uh, that are brought out in this patch that I believe are helpful to you as you seek to move forward in your own life, as you seek to be uh, helpful in our world and the challenges that we're facing, there's two points that I want to bring out that I think are particularly helpful. The first is this. The key to Israel's success, the key that would unlock the door to them moving forward against an overwhelming presence, against all kinds of obstacles, both internal and external, the key to them moving forward is located in the holiness and the power of God among them. I want to say that again. I, I do, if you, I want you to miss, if you miss one, don't miss this one thing from the sermon. If you're, you know, just going to take the uh, cliff notes here, right? If you're going to listen to the Blinkist five-minute summary of the sermon, uh, I want you to understand that the key to Israel's success rested in and found substance in the presence in particular, of God's holiness and his power among them. Where do I see that? Well, what's happening is there's this, uh, this symbol of the ark, 
right? This, this symbol that would be carried by the priests of Israel. And, you know, I, I can't help but draw parallels, of course. I thought about, you know, social distancing. Uh, we see that actually in this passage um, in, in a way, right? Everyone had to keep distance from the ark, right? 2,000 cubits is known as a Sabbath mile. It's uh, about 8.3 uh, football fields. And that's a, how far you were uh, allowed to walk on a, on a Sabbath, Right, and uh, the idea is that if you were at the Jordan, you could see the ark, you know, kind of off in the distance in the midst uh, of this river, but you had to keep your distance from it. And when the feet of the priests would enter uh, the Jordan River, in response to God's holiness, in response to his presence, even the wind and the waves would separate and allow those priests and then the entire nation before them to pass by on dry ground. And friends, what I want to point out uh, is that in the situation we find ourselves in, in the days and the circumstances and the things that are going on and that we find ourselves in, as I was reflecting on this passage, I was thinking through all that we're facing. I was thinking back to church history, thinking back to how God has moved in the past, thinking back to how he's moved in scripture. Spiritual renewal cultural renewal, worldwide change in the Christian context takes place when there is a renewed sense of God's holiness, right? You can read about all the revivals, right? You can read about every single one, and every single one, there is a renewed palatable sense that God is holy, that he rules and reigns in such a way that the winds and the waves obey him, where there is a renewed fear of him, where there is a new respect for his presence. And that's what we see going on here today. If, if Israel is going to move forward, if they're going to move into this land, they needed to get in touch with God's holiness and I will tell you as a pastor that you cannot be a Christian without understanding that God is holy. Let me read to you a quote from R.C. Sproul. He says this, If you don't delight in the fact that your father is holy, 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 then you are spiritually dead. You may be in a church. You may go to a Christian school. But if there is no delight in your soul for the holiness of God, then you do not know God. You don't love God. You're out of touch with God. You are asleep to his character. You know, in some work I've been doing uh, recently, uh, been looking at the Lord's Prayer and learning how to kind of go deeper in the Lord's Prayer, what we've been doing is taking one petition per day to kind of focus on. And I'll tell you that uh, by far the most helpful petition you know, in understanding the heart of Jesus Christ for prayer, one of the most helpful petitions that I've been uh, praying and, and thinking about is the petition, hallowed be thy name, right? And one thing um, that I've done and I, I recommend is you can take that and just really let that one petition inform the entirety of your prayers for that day. Lord, help me to understand your holiness. Give me a sense of your holiness, Right? I pray for my children. Oh God, would you impress upon them who you are in a sense that is real? Would you communicate your holiness to them this day? 
right? And uh, these folks, of course, uh, everything about what was going on communicated that this, this God, he is here, he is real, and frankly, he's a little scary, right? You don't want to get too close. That's what it was saying here, right? That there was a, a, a palatable fear going on that this power present from the hand of God is unlike any other. And friends, as I was thinking about uh, the events, particularly in Minneapolis, uh, that uh, have just absolutely um, just come to us now in, in, in multiple videos and high-definition video from multiple angles, uh, this, the, the killing of George Floyd uh, by these officers, uh, Derek Chavin and um, Officer Tu Thao was standing guard. Right, as you can hear George Floyd uh, effectively begging for his life, you can hear a bystander begging for, the, for his life, right? And I was thinking about what does this passage have to say to us? Well, the first thing I think it says is that if you're watching this video, right, and it, it is pretty graphic, by the way, um, so I do caution you on that, but if you're watching this, it ought to cause your blood to boil, Right? And I think for, for most people, uh, I think for most people that I've talked to, that is their experience, right? It causes your blood to boil. And the reason that it causes your blood to boil, if it does, is because what you're feeling is you're feeling the image of God on you because those events caused our God's blood to boil. Those events provoke the wrath of a holy God. Right? You want to understand judgment in, in the Old Testament, which is you know, frequently the case. In fact, judgment is going to be taking place on the city of Jericho pretty soon here in our preaching. Right? If you want to understand, like, I don't understand what that's about. Why is God so into judgment? Answer, the same reason that you feel so outraged at this video, right? you're feeling an aspect of the righteous judgment of God. And friends, I will tell you that as I was thinking through just a little bit of counsel on how you might respond to these events, how you might process them, uh, you know, I want to just preface this to say that um, I, don't, I don't believe this counsel is comprehensive. There's a, a, an enormous amount of writing going on currently. Um, so I don't believe this is comprehensive. I don't pretend to be an expert on this, but as your pastor... Uh, and in light of this passage, I do offer these suggestions to you for your humble consideration. The first is this. I believe that at the root of the injustice that we're seeing and, and many of you are experiencing, right, at the root of this is a loss of a view and understanding and belief in God's holiness. You cannot believe in God's holiness and treat people that way. You cannot. It's simply incompatible, right? And I believe, therefore, that at the root of these things, and what we ought to do as Christians, is we ought to get back in touch with the holiness of God. We ought to spend some time saying, Lord, hallowed be your name. Teach me who you are. Correct me where I am wrong in these things, right? Start by praying the Lord's Prayer, for example. Um, start by praying, Lord, hallowed be your name in my mouth, on my lips, in my family, in my community, in my church. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. I believe that at the uh, close to the core of racism, right, which racism we're, we're learning is, is, is an overwhelming issue right now, 
right? And I, I don't, again, I don't pretend to be an expert on this, but I will offer you a couple ideas that I believe are uh, substantial to it. They're not the only ones, but I do believe that they're substantial, right? At the core of racism, part of it is the sin of arrogance, right? If you want to understand, like, why do we have, why do we have racism? Where is this coming from? How can I do a better job, you know, raising my kids? How can I do a better job myself? How can I be part of healing in this nation, right? There's a lot of answers to that. I don't pretend this is the only one, but I do believe with every bone of my body, it's absolutely essential. And that is that at the, at the heart of it, at least as a contributing factor, is the sin of arrogance, right? Where, where someone says to another human being, like, I don't need to understand you because I already do. I already know everything that there is to know about this. And this is my opinion. And I've, you know, like decided that this is the case and I'm blaming these people and I'm doing that, right? And at the heart of this sin, I believe, is the sin of arrogance. And so as a very humble suggestion in general, what I would like to, if you want to do something, if you're saying, look, I want to be part of something, I want to do something. One thing that every single one of you can do, right, is find people who are different than yourself and go ask them to share what it's like to be them. Say, I, I, want to understand, I want to understand things from your perspective. Don't go to there to argue. Don't, you know, go there to understand. And I think, I, I will tell you that as I've done this, that you will be blessed, right? So, you know, asking folks of a different race, saying, tell me what it's like to be you. Help me understand. I was discipling a young uh, man years ago, and um, African-American man, and we were uh, out walking. I said, look, I want to go on a walk. I want to talk to you. I want to, you know, but I don't want to be inside. Can we just go on a walk? And so we went walking up the street from the church, right, in, in a calm neighborhood, and we were talking about the scriptures, talking about the Lord, talking about his life, and, you know, this guy was kind of like a bodybuilder type person, um, you know, and, you know, very strong and, uh, you know, very able to, to defend himself, right? And then there's me, who's not really that way. Um, but we're, we're up there walking and, and he's scared. He's afraid. And, and, and I'm like, what, what, why are you afraid? What's going on here? And he said, look, I'm an African-American man in a white neighborhood predominantly at night. And that's a scary place to be for me. And I remember in that moment, I thought, my goodness, I had, I had no idea. I had no idea your experience. But I learned something about his experience through listening. You know, just a, as another example, uh, if you know folks from China or who are connected to China, you know, take some time and ask them and say, look, can you tell me what's, what, are, what are you experiencing and thinking and feeling as you watch the events unfold in Hong Kong? Just ask, right? This is, this is, you know, I'm perceiving, right? This is a massive thing that's going on in ways far beyond what I understand or appreciate. You know, so take some time and ask and understand, you know, and do so in a spirit of humility. You know, as I was um, reflecting on my sermon for this morning, one of the things that I did was uh, very helpful. I, uh, Took some, got up early in the Bethel Baptist Church, our neighbors, nice neighbors next door. I've had the privilege of meeting with my colleague, Reverend Nathan Coleman, and they're now posting their sermons online through this pandemic. They post them pre-recorded. So I was able to listen to his sermon as he addressed his people, as he counseled them on how to respond. And I'll tell you, I found it helpful at a number of points. 
right? He had insights into the scriptures. He had insights into these events that I do not have. And I was able to learn. I sent him a note thanking him for it, right? And he, he pointed out on, on a helpful point that to a significant extent that racism is connected to powers and principalities in scripture, which I felt was an absolutely um, very helpful insight. He had counsel on how to think about protests, how to think about uh, sort of the looting and the other things that are going on. And there was a number of things in that sermon that I found helpful, right? I was able to, to listen to someone from a different perspective than my own, and I was blessed. So I will tell you that uh, if you want to do something, start by adopting a posture of humility and talking to people who are different from yourself for the purpose of learning. Just as an aside, um, <clears throat> I do also want to say that in, kind of in concert with that, um, I want to give you a very gentle suggestion. So I'm not, you know, I'm not making the law. You know, lots of, lots of you will, will not agree with this, and that's, that's totally fine. I'm not going to judge you for it or anything like that, but I just want to give all of you a humble pastoral suggestion, and I want to ask you to think about it and ask to consider. Uh, one of the things that happens when, whenever there's a, a major event in our world is that a lot of folks, right, and I've done this as well in the past, right, we go on a social media platform and we share our opinions, right, in, in ways that um, I believe are often unhelpful to promoting the fruit of the Spirit, right? So we, we share opinions in, in a way that often results in not in greater love, greater humility, greater holiness, more justice, right? We share opinions in a way that most of the time, and I would say from my vantage point, right, as I, as I survey my feed, I would say probably 98% of posts that are attempting to address an issue such as this, such as injustice and death and racism and pandemic and, you know, complicated scientific issues, right, which are all going on, I would say, in my opinion, 98% of the things I read are not helpful. And some are, I do believe, sinful. All right, the scripture tells us, for example, it says, look, where words are plenty, sin is not absent, but the wise man holds his tongue. And I would give you a humble suggestion that, you know, I'm not telling you to, to not be on social media or not to post about these things. That's, you know, that's, that's a matter of conscience. It's not sinful to do so, right? But I would say that you need to, you need to find a way to break this, this system, this platform has proven to be unsuccessful at facilitating rich and substantive and understanding dialogue between two human beings, most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure, for example, to speak up about these things. And I, I think that we should be learners. We should not be silent about injustice, right? But I would challenge you and encourage you to find a way to do that on a platform that has a higher success rate, right, at facilitating these kinds of things. So, for example, what is that platform, Darren? Well, I would suggest that platform is a face-to-face -face conversation or at least on the phone, right? If you want to speak up, have a phone call with someone. You know, invite someone for a walk, right? Follow announcement man to the, uh, wherever it is they're going, Black Rock Sanctuary, right? And have a substantive conversation, have listening, have talking, have sharing, have understanding, reflect on the scriptures, 
right? But uh, just as a pastoral word, I do feel like um, to a significant extent, the majority of the, the majority of the activity on social media related to these issues, right? I'm not talking about sharing the latest, you know, office GIF or whatever. Those, those are fine. Okay. Um, but the, but trying to address issues of substance on a platform that is absolutely profoundly broken at doing so, I would humbly suggest, is most of the time at least unwise. All right, so I offer that to you for your consideration. And then lastly, what can we do? I would ask you to pray for the revival of God's church. Right, pray for the spiritual renewal, spiritual revival of God's church. Pray for a renewed sense of his holiness, right? And I would ask you, you know, some of you are, are in a situation in your lives where, as, as Rob, really helpful uh, call to worship this morning, really helpful. You've, you know, you feel like things are spinning out of control. Um, you, you are desperate for God's power. Well, I would tell you that in this passage with these folks, God's power was inextricably tied to an app, to apprehending and understanding and having a renewed sense of his holiness. So perhaps for you, you're in this place, you're absolutely desperate, and you're like, you know, I've been praying for help, praying for help, but maybe you should take some time today and pray the Lord's Prayer. Father God, hallowed be your name. That's the first thing, uh, having a renewed sense of God's holiness. Right, the second thing is taking steps to remember his power. Right, taking steps to remember his power. So, truly, really, there's really two things that are two main issues that are going on in this passage, right? The first is that uh, Joshua is presenting the holiness of God as folks are keeping distance from the ark and the, the waves are keeping distance from the ark. You know, it's an absolute profound show and demonstration of power. But the second thing that happens is that God instructs Joshua and then Joshua instructs the people to take steps to not forget the power and provision of God. And that's symbolized by these 12 stones. And friends, I'll tell you that there is a principle in Scripture and there's a principle in Darren's life that's, that's very apparent and there's a principle in your lives, there's a principle in God's church in that we are prone to forget God's power. Right? We are prone to forget it. In fact, we're going to sing a hymn uh, after this uh, sermon where we say, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We are wandering people. We are forgetful people. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, Moses will say, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. Jeremiah 2, 23, can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Right? Never happened, by the way, in all of my years of officiating weddings, right? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. My people have forgotten me days without number, right? And I'll tell you that, you know, if you're living in a state of increased anxiety, if you're living in a place of fear, if you're living in a place just waiting for that shoe to drop, right? Uh, part of what the scripture would say is, look, take some time, make some steps to remember God's power and his faithfulness to you in the past. Take some time. And I want to just counsel you, even right now, you know, I want to give you permission to, to tune out for 30 seconds and say, when has God been at work in my life? When has he provided for me? 
I can tell you, I've heard so many stories from you. Oh, I was in this place and God provided. Right? I had this need and God answered it. Right? We at our prayer meetings said, I, I cannot absolutely wait to be back in person for, right? Perhaps the thing I missed the absolute most of this whole pandemic. I love them because our prayer meetings are just absolutely filled with this uh, reminder that God has heard our prayers in the past, and therefore he will hear these prayers that we pray today. You know, Israel was instructed to set up this monument, and then they were instructed to share specifically with their children. Right, and just as a reminder, if you're a parent or you will be a parent someday or you have other kids in your lives, take some time and tell the stories of God's provision, right? I, I, you've told me the stories, many of you. Take some time and, and share with your kids. Say, look, I want to tell you about when we were in a difficult place, and we prayed, and God heard, and he answered. Tell those stories. Share them, right? Take some steps to remember. You know, this passage is recognizing the fact that without intentional steps, that it is effectively guaranteed that you will forget, right? It's not a question. You will forget. You will forget the Lord your God, right? Even Israel, with all the miracles they saw, with all the overwhelming evidence, all the power of God and the exodus of Egypt, guess what? They forgot, right? And you, you, you know, and, and you will too, so take steps to remember. And then lastly, I want to close by just revisiting uh, something I said earlier. Uh, as we were talking about the holiness of God, uh, I said that you know, a renewal and a revival in the holiness of God does result in, in what I might call a healthy fear of God. People become a little afraid, to be honest, right? We can talk about fear versus reverence. You know, there's some clarifications and some qualifying there that, that I do think is helpful. But, you know, even at the end of our passage here, uh, verse 24 of chapter 4, it's basically said, he says, you know, uh, the Lord God dried up the waters, and then verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever, right? The people have begin to develop uh, what, I, what I'm articulating is a healthy fear of the Lord, right? It's not something we talk about, you know, a, a ton here. Uh, and this is, this is, to be honest, a bit of a correction, right? And what we have in Scripture, right, we have something that's so overwhelmingly beautiful, overwhelmingly majestic, overwhelmingly brilliant, and that we, we see the Old Testament writers developing the fear of the Lord, developing this doctrine of the holiness of God, where, you know, folks don't go near the ark. If you touch the ark in the wrong way, you know, you lose your life. We'll see that later on in the Old Testament. And then we come to the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when you open the pages in the New Testament, if you look in the book of Mark, you see right off the bat, Jesus comes into the synagogue and there's a demon in there. There's a demon possessing a man and, and Jesus just comes in and the demon yells at Jesus. He says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. In you dwells and is located all of God's holiness all of his power, all of that 
power that caused the waves to stand still. And of course, as you know, the story is Jesus will be on uh, a boat with his disciples and they, they think that they're going to die and lose their lives. They think it's going to drown. They think all these things are going to happen. And Jesus wakes up and he, you know, looks at the waves kind of the wrong way. And they, yep, yes, sir, we're, we're, we're done. We're done with this. Yep, you know, right away. It's like in the military, you know, high-ranking officer walks in and everyone is just ready for a command and Jesus just wakes up, you know, he was sleeping like a baby and looks around at the waves, peace be still, and they, yes, sir, right away. His power is so overwhelming that even the wind and even the waves obey him and then he raises the dead, he heals the sick. But in the story of Christ, what we have is the Holy One of God in whom is located all the richer, all the riches of wisdom and knowledge where the very holiness of God is located. And the most shocking thing will happen when the Holy One of God allows himself to be beaten, to be tortured, to be executed, and then will later rise from the dead. And so we have in scriptures, we have this absolutely brilliant coming together of God's holiness combined with his love for sinners. And there is no other religion on the face of the planet that will bring these two ideas together. There is no other teaching in all of human history that says there is a God of absolute and complete holiness, but that he has such a love for sinners that he would give up his life for them. Only in the Gospels do we see that. Only in Christian faith, only uh, in the, the account of who Jesus is, do we see those two things come together in an absolutely breathtaking way. And so Jesus stands as the mystery of God, holiness and love in one person, so that you and I, that we've looked at the wrong things, that we've thought the wrong things, that we've said hurtful things, that we've used our hands to do destructive things, that we've been selfish, that we've been hateful, that we've been unjust, right? That even sinners such as us can have forgiveness, can have everlasting life. So that's where we are today. I, I set these things humbly before you, encouraging you to take time to understand God's holiness, take steps to remember and then lastly, let us worship the mystery of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father God, we praise you, Holy Spirit. We adore you. And I pray, oh God, that you would heal our land. I pray that you would uh, bring spiritual revival. I pray that you would root out uh, racism and injustice from our own hearts, uh, from the hearts of all in our land. I pray that you bring healing I pray that you would resolve uh, these, these worldwide crises that we are facing. We pray most of all, Lord, that your kingdom would come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.